Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello and welcome to episode 20. Two zero of with love and justice for all. I didn't know that I was starting. That's my bad. Uh, I and hence that dead airspace there for a second. Uh, I am Reverend. That's why Ogun. Kelly puts it in the little script every week. Who's starting? And that's why Ogan should read the little script every week. <laughs> Listen, I was owning it, Kelly. <laughs> I, I was 100% on that that was on me. I am Reverend Ogan Holder, uh, uh, ordained unity minister, and clearly one uh, who does not read uh, ahead of time. Um, I am also the co-founder of um, uh, Project Sanctus. Forgot what we were called for a minute there. The co-founder of Project Sanctus here with my partner in crime and consciousness and co-creation, uh, Reverend Kelly Isla. How are you doing today, Reverend Kelly? I'm doing pretty good. I'm actually looking forward to today's show. And we had a nice Instagram live this morning and yes. just yes, have the so. night off tonight. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, indeed. Indeed. Usually we'd be usually we'd be doing a, a book club book gathering uh, tonight. Um, we got a couple of weeks off before we start our next um, book study. Um, which, yeah. by the way, will be called the inner work, the inner work of racial justice uh, by Rhonda McGee. This is this is a powerful um, inner experiential um, work. This is mindfulness, uh, applying mindfulness to our inner transformations um, around our relationship with with race uh, and racism. So. Um, you know, I always say that this is spiritual work and this book really walks us through the spiritual practices that, that support us all in this work. Um, if this is the work we truly say we want to do and we really want to do it, 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 it starts with us. So, uh, we'd like to invite you to that, head over to projectsangus.com and, and read all about, uh, that. Um, but today what we're going to talk about, and if this might be the first time you're ever listening to us, know that this is a show where we have conversations around um, embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, and the special challenges that arise, especially for spiritual seekers and in churches. So you can join our conversation if you're listening live. Um, you can either call in 816-251-3555. Uh, we are right now also streaming on Facebook, so you can hit us up there on our Facebook page. Um, our handle is at Get Our Holy On or just search Project Sanctus um, in Facebook, and you will find us there. So those are all the ways you can reach us. You can always listen after the fact on any of your, you know, uh, podcast platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. unityonline.org, and you can message us at any time if you've got questions or things you want us to talk about. So I think that's all the logistics announcements all of that uh, up front. So today I did put the, I put the link for the book club in the Facebook. Feed. Okay, there you go. So you can check it up there. Um, so today we are going to be uh, talking about, um, or rather uh, addressing, answering the question of race's impact on us. And more specifically, we're going, going to be sort of like um, taking a stab at answering that question of why is it so hard for, for people to talk about race and racism, specifically white-bodied folks, white people. Why, why, is, why, a, why is it so uncomfortable for them? And then why is it that often when the question is asked, um, we get answers that don't really answer the question <laughs> uh, a, 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 lot of, a lot of times. So, so we're going we gonna, to we gonna jump into that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So uh, you, want, you want to lead us off? Um, you want me to lead us off? Should I read the notes? I should have read the notes. Um, no, you didn't read the script to see who was opening. Don't read the notes now. Let's <laughs> go with it. <laughs> go with, it's too late now, she says. I know. No, I, you know, it's a, I, as I said before, I think before we, we were online, just the, the Facebook live thing was going that I was looking forward to today. Um, and I look forward to every podcast, but I, I really was looking forward to today because it's, it, it also it's all it's always challenging you know as you know largely white body individual to continually asking what are the ways 
that race shaped my life and having to always continue to go back to stop thinking that race is not part, you know, in in the room unless a, a racial, you know, someone walks in the room that's not white, right? Then it becomes a racialized space. And um, and it's so, you know, this white privilege, um, the white somebody white body supremacy cultural norms, um, um, you know, is just or white supra, white supremacy capitalists as bell hooks uh refers to it. And uh it, always having to keep coming back to that. As simple as it may sound, it's so insidious and so unconscious that um just have to keep asking myself. And there's patterns, right? It's not just how is race shaped life, but there's there's patterns that emerge. And I have to be looking for those patterns and I discover the patterns and I have to, you know, how do those play out in my life? And and I and they, you know, what are the patterns that so I can witness my own whiteness, so I can dismantle the power structure. So um and um we also um you know that there's also this the conversation that we've talked about and and a previous book that we've done by uh Heather McGee, different spelling mcgee uh the sum of us which is that racism impacts all of us just not equally and so one of the parts of our conversation today is that in our in our zeal you know or in our desire for white bodies to understand the impact of race it can actually swing it can actually become a um a bypass well it affects all of us so i'm working hard too without owning n- not equally not 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 right yeah um so, so, I, I, so yeah i was gonna say i think i think um you're beginning to answer the question of why it's challenging especially for white folk to talk about race and racism and that's because it's not a question they're used to asking themselves individually or or as a group right um the the uh, walking around in in a culture where um in all settings whether it's your workplace your church place you know for the most part white bodies tend to walk around in settings where they're more people that look like them and it's and the question like you said of race doesn't come up unless a racialized body enters the room the question of race doesn't even come up or or it may come up if maybe it might come up if something racially charged is said even if it's just all white bodies in the room but other than that it's not a topic that generally comes up and not a question an individual a white individual tends to ask themselves a lot to look into it at least they haven't been asking themselves a lot um i would say before the last two three years right for a lot of folks um it was george floyd's murder that really started prompting that question for some folks maybe it started with trayvon's martin murder uh um, 10 years ago but not not as many not nearly as many and uh, so it's not a question that 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 white body folks tend to ask themselves a lot, and and often in our experience when you know we have groups and we have conversations and we do workshops and seminars and we do affinity groups and we ask people this question, one of the answers that we usually get is um, a list of of attempted proofs as to why they're not racist right yeah. evidence or or they began to list their experiences with black people i grew up in a black neighborhood i have a black best friend i had a black best friends there are black people who serve with me on my church board there are black people who work with me in my office and we get along fine we ask the question how does race impact your life and the answers we often get um is here's how here's how people of other races have showed up or are showing up in my life so the answer becomes not, a very, which, not even answering the question right i was going to say yeah. so 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 that's that's a very like outward thing here's in the in the outward exterior of my life 
here's how here's how I have seen or here's how I see uh, people who aren't white, right? So it's not the question, how has it impacted my life? That's an internal question. That's that's right. a question that requires introspection and 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 a sense of in in implying the question is also maybe an answer of how might my life have been if if there wasn't any sort of uh racialized reckoning to impact my life right so there's 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 no introspection so when we ask the question for you when we ask the question how has race impacted your life you alluded to it earlier but as a white person when that question is asked what what do you what do you do what 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 are we really asking people when we ask that question? How has race impacted your life? And and as and yes, as a as a person of color, I'd begin to answer that question by 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 reflecting on the inner uh, the inner challenges and feelings that uh, that I encounter because of racism, right? Uh, anger, uh, frustration. Uh, despair, uh, um, even even a uh, for me especially initially uh, a lesser sense of worth, right? Because I've, I've internalized the oppression, I've internalized some things that that I've heard about me because of a black person. It also there's this idea of for me the 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 not allowing myself in in some respects to to dream big. Like there's certain maybe there's certain things that oh well that that'll never happen because I'm a black person right how many how many times did any of us as a person of color say yeah becoming president nah that's that's not an option for us in America right yeah. um, we we were all saying that believing that and knowing that to be true until it wasn't um, by the way um, electing Barack Obama. I don't need to say this aloud, but I'll say it again. It was not the end of racism. We're not post-racial. Uh, so, but, 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 su- right. But suddenly now it's like, oh, oh, well, it's actually possible, right? Um, representation matters. But, but that's how, that's how race is, that's the beginning of how race has impacted my life and coming from uh, Barbados that still bears the scars of colonialism. There are lots of other things I can go into that that are a little bit you know unique and different. But but that's how it is for me. Um, so for you, how would how would you answer that question? And and also what uh, again? What are we really asking a person yeah. to examine when we ask that question? Well, the first is um, um, is I, I love the what you said and that's the first place to go is like internal external that if if someone asks me that question and I'm a white body and I start talking about the things outside of me you know my third grade teacher and the neighborhood we lived in and um you know well I had to work hard too to get into college like I worked just as hard and you know when I start talking about the exterior things it's a it's a cue or a clue that I've not heard the question that I'm not listening because what it's asking, you know, the, what's the impact of race on my life. We, we have a tendency to hear the word impact as though as an, as a something that's, you know, wrong or bad or really uncomfortable or negative or something like that. When really what the question is asking is what are the ways that race has shaped your life? Cause we can impact in a lot of different ways, you know, race impacts in a lot of different ways. And so the way that race has shaped my life is as a, you know, white body, it gives me access, greater access to resources, right? I don't have to, I mean, that's an overarching one. And then there's simpler ones that I don't have to, um, I don't have to worry about, you know, jogging in the park, um, you know, and having police, you know, watch me. I don't have to worry about sitting in a Starbucks by myself and not ordering anything and having people watch me. I don't have to, um, you know, so, nobody so, has so, to have a... So generally, 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 you're walking through life maybe with a slightly lowered sense of 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 uh, stress. Yeah. And, and alertness. And, yes. and 
lower stress, Paranoia. lower anxiety, less stress, anxiety. um, a position of power, uh, like more. And I don't, and I don't, and, and please, yeah, people have to understand that all of that is largely unconscious. It's, it's the, yes. that's what we say when we say privilege, it doesn't, privilege doesn't mean you have a boatload of money. It means you have easier access to the resources in life to have life be a little easier. You know, even though I was raised, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. I still had easier access to um, to the things in the world to create a life that I want. You know, we, I've said it before, like, in, and this is when it comes to spiritual communities. You know, we all may have equal access to principles, to spiritual truth principles. But in terms of taking that and like creating the world that you want and manifesting the life of your dreams we don't have equal access to the you know in the relative world the physical things to actually bring that into manifest form so the way that race has shaped my life is it's it's made most everything easier and i don't have to think about it yeah Right. I can largely sail through sail through life, not even thinking that someone that's not white has a harder time. I can I can um, more easily, you know, I it's it's easier for me to, you know, you brought up Trayvon Martin. Well, he was probably doing something, you know, cops wouldn't do that. Like, it's just easier to write stuff off because to think that there is a problem is is pulling a thread on that's going to unravel everything and unravel everything that I know and what I've been taught and the paradigm I live in. And it's one of the reasons white bodies don't want to talk about race. Yeah. There isn't a, a thing you mentioned like about Trayvon Martin or any, you know, all, all the names of the people that, that, that we've seen in the last few years and beyond. Um, there isn't that sense for a white person of this could happen to me but there is right. for me as a person of color this could happen to me it shouldn't happen to me i can't imagine why it would happen to me right but it, but it could happen to me just by the nature of how i look therefore when i walk into an experience with for example you know a, a police officer for for any any innocent reason you know i am automatically more stressed i'm automatically more have to be more more measured in what i say and how i speak and you know some folks might say well you know that's yeah you shouldn't have to do that because that's not how all police officers are going to react and as we've talked about all the way back to when we had discussions around the book of my grandmother's hands while that may be true there is this generalized idea that you know us with black bodies are are generally stronger, more aggressive, need to be feared, and therefore need to be responded to um, more violently and with more hostility. Um, and we're aware of that. So we're walking around more frightened uh, as a result of it, because because we know that's that's the and again, to your point, it's all unconscious. Right. Yeah. And you, no, no, no police officer. Or, or very rarely will you find a police officer who's actively thinking this black body's out to harm me. That's, that's not their conscious thought in the front of their minds. Um, but when a situation arises, that unconscious thinking kicks in and things, as we have seen over and over and over again, take a turn for, for the worse. Um, you know, I, uh, there is absolutely no way to know this, you know, <laughs> hope we don't get in trouble for this, but, uh, uh, uh Bill Maher on a uh, real time, he does this bit where he says, um, I don't know that it's true. Oh, I don't, I don't know that it's true, but I believe that it's true. Right. Yeah. Something like we have no, we have no facts to prove this, but I just know it's true. Like I'm, I have no facts to support, uh, the, I, the, the, the thought that if, uh, <clears throat> Kim Potter had pulled over a young white man who who tried to run that um, she would have pulled her uh, gun instead of her taser. I have I have yeah. absolutely no way to support that, but I know it's true. 
right? Because, because again, there's that unconscious thinking that says this, this individual, because he's black, because she's black, they're more dangerous. They need more aggressive um, uh, re- response. Again, all, all unconscious. So, so then, uh, uh, you know, you, you talk about how your life is shaped. How is your unconscious shaped? Uh, right by by race, which is think you're what you're getting at. Um, how is my unconscious? How 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 are the things that propel my belief systems and the way I walk through the world that I'm not actively thinking about? How have they been impacted? How have they been shaped, influenced by um, the 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 racial um, norms that we walk through the world experiencing that we are born into that we pick up and that we believe. You know, unless we really take a time to dig in, uh, dig down and examine them, we won't know when they're at play. No. So, and I think this has been a struggle, right? Because, because for many white people, it's like they're conscious of the fact that they're quote unquote, not racist, have not done any racist things, have not said any racist things. So, so yes, there's that conscious thought, but the unconscious still plays a very important and huge role. Um, and maybe your conscious actions, words haven't been as, shall we say, loving, accepting, supportive, um, as you might have imagined. Well, the, the system supports itself. Uh, this, And what I mean by that, when I say the system, I mean the system of, you know, white, um, white privilege, white supremacy, the system, the paradigm, the, the mechanisms at play, just support themselves. Um, it, and one way that happens is that um, I, I'm a, I wasn't raised racist. You know, like I have that thought, racism is a bad thing. What I've been taught is 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 a definition of racism that that needs to be examined mm-hmm. um and i i believe i'm not so so why do i need to look at it to re-examine it because if i do that then i'm going to be indicting myself right and who wants to do that i already know i'm a good person you know and here's my list of all the ways i'm a good person uh so it can't be true because it racism looks like a particular way it just it's it's a hamster wheel which um, which is fascinating for those of us who say we practice mindfulness because that is the exact opposite of mindfulness practice right the yeah. whole idea of mindfulness is is consciously examining our thoughts and our beliefs or words or actions consciously taking a look at them and asking ourselves why do I believe what I believe? Why did I say what I believe? Do I really know what is in that unconscious of me? Um, that is that is that is what a mind, mindfulness and self awareness really is all about. So so to make assumptions about who we are and who we are not, without really doing deep examination, is 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 antithetical to spiritual practice. Well, here's the challenge about that, though, is that the to be mindful, right, if mindful practices is going to challenge the, you know, the, the, um, my operating system, and mm-hmm. what I believe, and the minute that that gets challenged, the part of the brain, the amygdala says, danger, danger, this is not safe. And so it goes to where it needs to go to be safe, which is, you oftentimes in spiritual communities, you know, and you and I know is let's do a spiritual practice to make the discomfort go away. Okay, so we make the discomfort go away. Now we can talk about race again. Well, I'm not a racist. You know, I'm a good person. You know, I'm calm now. I just did my prayer meditation, but completely bypassed the whole. It's it's right. all it's you know you need to go to where it doesn't you know it feels uncomfortable. It's not even. We've also gotten attached to the language, right? We talk about being unsafe. I'm not unsafe. A black person's unsafe. I'm not unsafe. I may hate what I'm feeling. I could be really uncomfortable. This really sucks, but I'm not unsafe. Yeah. 
Um, so not, yeah. not for the large, not in large part. I'm not. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so, so we hope that, you know, based on what we said so far, if you've never actually taken the time to, again, um, to, to answer this question, how was, how was race impacted me? Um, that, that you might begin to, to, to sort of be, be, be seeing a framework around how to answer, how to answer that question. And it's important to answer that question because, because when we figure out how it has and where we stand, that's when we can do the work to, to be moving ourselves in the direction that we want to, that we want to go. We think we're one place and we're totally not. It's like, it's like we're lost until we, until we fire up Google maps and we realize, Oh wait, I am nowhere where near where I thought I was. And I was walking in a direction that I'm not. So when we come back from break, uh, we're gonna we're gonna look a little bit deeper and and question how we would see ourselves if we weren't looking through this lens of internalized supremacy or oppression. You're listening to with love and justice for all. You're listening to With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isselar. All right, we are back. Uh, this is episode 20, answering the question of racist impact. And we're talking around uh, the challenges that especially um, white body folk have with answering that question about how race has impacted them. Um, and um, we were on break and... And um, while we were on break, I was uh, reminding our Facebook viewers, uh, and I guess I'll remind you guys too now that we did a we did a powerful um, 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 ancestral healing ceremony last week, and the video is up on on Facebook, and uh, you can please check it out, and you can as you're watching participate in the ritual uh, at the end of the ceremony as well. If you missed it, it's not just for bodies of colors for all folks. Um, and and you mentioned you mentioned something really um, I think huge um, as you tend to do you mentioned these under you, you share these things kind of like an understated way you know they'll throw away something and ends up being very profound so uh, you said it on break so I'd like you to say, say right. I said it so the one person watching on Facebook could hear it exactly so it now, now, now let's now let's share for some other folk. What I, we were talking, so we were talking about the, 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 how powerful the service was, because it all was, there was, um, and again, watch it on our Facebook page, it was, and, and Ogan, he said, said that it was actually afterwards, where there was this long, long space of discussion, and reflecting on the healing service itself, just lived experiences, and uh, there was, what was that was the most meaningful part for me because there were you know it was a small group of people white bodies and and black bodies and um the fact that uh, that there were a couple of women black women that were sharing very intimate um experiences you know very intimate lived experiences of um that i don't take i don't i i'm very moved when that happens because i don't believe that bodies of culture are willing to share all that necessarily real deep when there's white people in a room. Um, I just, it's not been my experience um, because there's, for me, what I've, in my learning and what I've experienced is that that's an issue of safety. That's an issue of power. Um, That's an issue of trust. Like there's no reason to trust me. Right. Uh, And and I don't mean that. I don't mean that harshly, like I've done something wrong. It's centuries of there's no reason for a black person to trust a white person. It just is. And we have to get that. That's part of this. You know, how has race shaped my life? That's part of it. Um, It doesn't mean that a person won't trust me or doesn't or can't. But I walk into it not assuming so when these couple of black women were sharing their very intimate lived experiences with some things, I was moved. I was 
I was humbled and um, I will never forget. And I don't take it lightly because that means for me, a space that is, there is some trust and an element of, of safety with some white folks sitting there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and that's, like I said, um, profound, uh, it's a profound self-awareness and self-observation uh, and to practice it because I don't, um, the, 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 the right of taking up space is something that I don't think many white body people are aware that they possess, right? That sense of the sense of we walk in the space and it's, and it's, and it's ours. Um, or right. we can, we can say anything and do it. We have, we have the right to say anything at any time. Um, you know, and you know, it's, it's, it's also, and, and to be clear, this is not just a racial thing. This is whenever there's a power Im- imbalance, um, you right. know, uh, men, men versus women as well. Right. Uh, us men yep. feel like we, we, we walk into the room, we can dominate the conversation. Um, no, 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 no matter how many women are there, no matter what the topic is, somehow right. we are always the authority and we're always right. right. Um, and, and there's not a sense of, of listening um, as well. Um, same thing with uh, those of us who are, who are straight um, as opposed to, those who are um, on the uh, part of the LGBTQ community, like we live in a heteronormative society. So those of us who identify as straight are like, yeah, we, we, we have this default that, that our, our, our point of view, our way is the standard is the norm. And there isn't that sense of awareness to go like, no, it's not. (laughs) Well, this is, and so this is, you know, part of that question of, you know, uh, answering the question of race's impact. So even, you know, how has it shaped my life? Everything you talked about, because those are all intersections, right? Inter- the intersectionality with race. Yes. Um, it's, it's and, and byproducts of this, you know, white privilege system. They're all pieces of our social identity. So it's, you know, us being, us meaning, you know, white, um, heterosexual, you know, man, whatever our social location is, but being willing to notice that. Yeah. Um, if, if you need to notice the power differences and just not assume um, anything at all. And, and then we wonder in spiritual communities, well, we had a, a you know, we had a, um, you know, two weeks or we had this session or we had this book study or we had this, you know, forgiveness healing thing. And, and we wonder why everybody, but, but, you know, black people wouldn't come or, you know, we only had the older white folks or, and we wonder why. Or, um, or, or why no one came at all. Cause why no one too. came at all. Yes. Right. We, we, we set up this thing and only two people showed up, you know, right. or, the or minister and the associate minister there you go. or the minister of the LUT. You know, or, uh, or, or as I heard from one church where um, 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 we, we were talking about, they were, uh, this was a church that, that again, wondered, someone from the church was again wondering why they're, they're open, they're welcoming, and they've had, they've had times when they've had many congregants of color and they don't now, and they're wondering, and they're wondering why, what happened, and they're like, you know, I was, so when did you have all those congregants of color in your community? Well, when we had a minister of color. Um, right. we had congregants of color so i said so let me get this straight so when the minister of color left the congregants of color also left i think that might be saying something about your community that you're not ready right. or willing to hear because if they truly felt welcomed and at home and really felt like this was a place um of of not just safety but a place where they felt really seen for who they were then perhaps they might have stuck around. So maybe you have some bigger, deeper questions to ask yourself. How uh and 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 it's a question we have to ask ourselves individually. We we because we live in this society where where what we call white uh supremacy norms, white supremacy cultural norms is the is the water in which we're swimming in. This is the only this is the lens through which we know ourselves, whether we are white person or a person of color that that lens is embedded in who we are so then the real work to answer the how it's 
affected and impacted our lives. And the real um, mindfulness work we have to do is to begin to answer the question, who, who, how would we see ourselves if that lens wasn't there? Right. Can we begin to imagine that? Can we begin to answer really who who are we authentically? Right. Who are we? Um, you know, and you have this wonderful list of, of, of questions here. Who, who are we beyond the stories that we tell and the stories that, that have been told about us? Who are we beyond uh, the imposed categories or and the self-identified categories? Um, who are we beyond the, the imposed social roles um, and who are we beyond our ancestral bloodlines, um, you know, and, and be, be beyond our skin color, beyond our form, beyond time, beyond representation. Uh, you know, these are all, these are all deep questions. Are there, are there any of these you want to dig into a, a little bit deeper? I think we got a little time before we can. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's um, a, a couple of them beyond, you know, who are you beyond the stories that you tell? Mm. Um, you know, or who are you? Here's another one. So, cause this one, I, I sometimes wrestle with a little bit more is who are you beyond the stories told about you? Right. Um, cause that's a, cause I, the, the, you know, my experience kind of out in the world is as a disruptor, you know, the, the work I do is to pull, I mean, look at what we do. We, mm-hmm. we upset the sediment and, the status quo. And so people tell stories about me and have for a long time. True or not, but but who am I beyond that? Yeah. Right. And and so so it means I have to be willing to look at the stories and I, and look at the stories that I tell myself. That's that moving beyond. That's actually what um um what what I would start to move into is that conversation about decolonizing the mind. Okay. Right. So to colonize is to take over the space in a in a rough, you know, <clears throat> brief kind of way is to colonize something is to take over the space. There's no question. You just come in, march over, take over and, you know, make myself comfortable, set up my own little space and make it mine and all that. Declare, so who am declare I? that we've discovered it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Even though there's, even though there's already life there, we, yep. Yep. we're the first. Right. Well, you know what? And that's that goes on. That's, uh, um, you know, that we've, quote unquote, discovered it is anything that's around cultural appropriation yeah. is has that element of like it's brand new. And, it's you know, and it's I find it challenging in spiritual communities because there's a lot of cultural appropriation that goes on. We just mm-hmm. take a little bit. I just saw a post earlier of someone going into Ho'oponopono, which is a Hawaiian you know, cultural, spiritual practice tradition, but in unity and new thought, we take little pieces, parts and, and use it. And is it a powerful practice? Yes. And it's not yours, you know? And, and Um, do we, and do we really take the time to understand the full context and meaning of it? And again, throwing myself under the bus, I've done talks on Ho'oponopono without really investigating the the full context of it when i learned the full context of it of what it means and how it's been passed down as this tradition for centuries i was like yeah that's really not what i was teaching and inviting people to practice so i i was appropriating it and then and and in the appropriation there's a misrepresentation um as as well which comes part and parcel well, and then it's so then it becomes the story I tell myself, how do I, you know, that I make it okay that I did, whether I stop or not, right? Mm-hmm. But but what's the story that I tell myself around why I used it, which is a, um, a white body, you know, cultural norm to make it comfortable, rather than maybe I need to not do this. And right. if I'm going to do it again, here's how I'm going to do it differently. Like what's how did that shape who I am? Yes. Right. And and how does me just taking it on and just doing whatever that's internalized supremacy. I'm I'm colonizing. Right. I'm taking it, making it mine. And and I'm yeah, I'll go under the bus with you, too. I've done it on more than one occasion in my life. So this is not, you know, not like yeah, we are. We, not like we, we're, we're not pointing fingers no. at you. We are pointing fingers at all of us. Yeah. We are. We and are part of we're part of the us, too. Right. And if what we're saying, you find yourself getting defensive about, then we are saying it to you. 
or 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 if you do find yourself getting defensive then go like huh why why am i feeling defensive about this i'm feeling attacked you don't feel attacked about something unless you there's a part of you that that realizes you're complicit in right. in this again right. right so again the intention is not to blame or shame the intention is to invite you into awareness um we're not we're not standing on moral high ground here we're standing on the realization that we did that too and yeah. we were wrong for doing that and we're making the conscious choice to not do it again and and to and to ask the deeper questions of of how we got to this place that we were doing it wrong <laughs> and and what and and what does that say about 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 what does it say about me that I was willing to do that. What what was the unconscious thinking and 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 belief that I had around around my doing this this action so carelessly and appropriating in 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 that way. So so yeah. So yes, feel uncomfortable with us saying what we're saying, but don't get don't don't get stuck in the in the discomfort. Don't get stuck in the indignation. Uh, don't don't get stuck in the in the fragility that you might be feeling of, of, of attack, go like, huh, I'm feeling some way about this. So it might apply to me. Let me do some digger deep in within myself. That's, that's how transformation occurs. That's, that's how we stop the bypass. Well, it's, and it's messy and you're, and we're not that fragile people. (laughs) No, no, we're Um, not. We're not, we're not that fragile. We, we are, you know, stronger than we know we are. Um, it's a, it's a really a function of humility. Yeah. That's humble. That's important to recognize. It is, it is an act of humility. And, and I don't think we see it that way because, because the ego gets bruised. <laughs> yeah. You well, it, it means it's that step back thing and go, okay, it's, it's what's in some ways is called the rule of Benedict. Meaning, you know, am I willing to be changed by what I'm hearing? Doesn't mean necessarily change my mind, but am I willing to be changed? Which means I need to, like, you know, get off my high horse, get off my pedestal, get off my affirmations, have a little humility. It's sort of like a bowing down. Am I willing to bow down? Which, Which means, as a white body, letting go of power. And so, the power that you didn't even know you were holding. And that's right. You didn't know you were holding it. And, and, and I think for some people, because they didn't know, they go to, well, I, I'm not holding it because I didn't know I was holding it. Right. right. There's, 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 there's that. Deni- you talk about affirmations. So, so um, you have this wonderful list of denials as it relates to decolonization. Tell, tell us a little bit about this and, 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 and what they are. Yeah, so there's in the in the the in hospicing modernity, and which is the name of a book, and uh, and um, but in decolonizing, learning what what decolonizing means and de- a decolonial perspective, um, you know, I was months back we had remember, we had Derek Weston, um, who's uh, um, on as a guest on the podcast, and yeah. uh, he said that um, um, that the lawn, the green lawn is the mascot of a colonial, of the white colonial world. And I thought, and I'm never going to, I'm always going to hear his voice in my head. So that's, you know, colonial is that takeover, like taking, literally taking the space up. And so you can think about a lawn, a green lawn in that as a, as a metaphor for, you know, colonialism for taking over space, taking over land, so to decolonize is think of, you know, the brain and the belief system um, as a, as being, you know, colonized, taken over, having power and infiltrating or, you know, pushing that out on others, you know, to believe a certain way. And so the denials, there's these four denials um, structure that are, that keep all of that in place um, and that, that maintain this habit of being and perpetuating this this virus that is white white privilege. So the first is we deny that there is systemic violence, that there is that we are complicit in the harm, right? Um, which is again a hum, a humility thing uh, that we don't 
I don't want to say I'm complicit in harming people. That makes me sound like a monster. I I I I don't want to say that. Like because it I'm, gets a, because I'm nice. Yes, because I'm nice. I'm a minister for God's <laughs> sakes. Um, and my silence is being complicit. Yeah. Not it's not even complicit in hurt. It's complicit in harm. Yeah. Um. So, um, you know, my own comfort, my own um, things that I enjoy um, are very often subsidized by exploiting someone else or something else, exploiting earth, people, you know, low income, um, you know, jobs, low, you know, I'm, I'm exploiting and using things that perpetuate um, the complicity. The other denial is about thinking about the planet. Now, we haven't really, next week, we have someone coming on, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, eco, you know, environment and ecology, um, but we haven't really yet connected the, the dots between uh, environmental sustainability and, you know, ecology and race, um, but our growth on earth and our using up resources is, <laughs> uh, you know, that's like, a, again, a mascot, a poster child for white privilege is consumption and production and, and, you know, strip mine and just, you know, money and over, over, you know, consume, consume, consume. Yeah. Um, it's very colonial. So where can I stop? But denying even that there's limits, even the word resource, resource, as if there's more, you know, re means again, there's again. no, when the source is gone, it's gone. Yeah. Um, the another denial is the denial of entanglement or where we don't. And again, this is really very much um, we don't see ourselves as um, really entangled with all life. We don't see ourselves entangled with each other, with planet Earth. You know, we didn't, we didn't drop down as human beings. We weren't dropped down. We grew up out of Earth. But how could we um, not see it? We're always talking about oneness. Yeah, it's a good theory. <laughs> <laughs> it's in consciousness, pretty much. It, only. It, it, it is. It is in consciousness. Yes. Yes. Um, but we are, we, we are part of this. So we are either as humans, we are part, we can be part of this immune system for planet earth. Mm -hmm. um, but we choose not to. And one of the ways we choose not to is to, is to keep the system of internalized oppression and internalized supremacy, keep it going. That keeps us not entangled. And then the last denial is, um, um, really just denying the the depth and breadth of the problems that we face. We want to, this is, and this is spiritual communities. We want to go for hope. We want to think there's something simple here. Let's, you know, um, that make us feel better, that make us comfortable, where we can look like we're quote unquote good allies, right? We want to turn away from what's difficult. We want to, we just want to imagine a better future and, and just, you know, I'm like you said at the very beginning, we're not post-racial people, right? We're not post-racial. We're not transracial. We're not, we're not even post-modern in many ways. This is true. Um, this uh, is true. So, and, yeah. And, and let me, let me. Trying to escape reality. Yeah. I was going to say, let me, and uh, let me tag on real quick on that one about the escaping reality is it's that idea of you know we the the toxic positivity right yeah. we, we put on the blinders and we simply dwell on the positive that we wished was the only reality right yeah. uh, we, we 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 take the intention set in and the quote unquote seeing it right to an extreme um and and to be clear there is absolutely nothing wrong with envisioning the world we want to experience we we have to right uh, otherwise we would know which direction to head and and just envisioning it does not address the current issues and and, and problems that that exist it has to be a has to be a both and approach if we just focus on the problems we will get stuck in despair and, right. and 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 hopelessness um and and quite possibly end up perpetuating those problems right if we just get stuck in the in the in the vision of of the reality we want and that's the only thing we we make our only experience 
then then we are really ignoring each other each other's pain each other's suffering um right. we're, we're doing that um and um and i think i think part of that is why uh, many people of color have found themselves uncomfortable in a lot of new thought spaces, which tend to be predominantly white, because there hasn't been the acknowledgement of this is also the reality. I mean, we teach our reality is is an illusion. Let's let's create the experience we want, because if we're suffering, yeah, that that doesn't need to be the reality. And it's not that again, when we talk about the privilege, it's not that easy for some of us. Just yeah. to go like, yeah, yeah, my lived reality doesn't count. Well, my lived reality is being infringed upon because of the color of my skin or my right. gender or my ability or my fill in the blank, right? Right. My class, my yep, sexual expression. So all those things. So, so you all um I think we have like a minute or two left, but um um it's yeah, it's not about not envisioning a better future, you know, tapping into the power of imagination and um, knowing that there's, there is a different world there that we can create. What we're not willing to do is hospice what's dying. Mm, Yeah. We want to assist in the midwifing. Yes. Birth. We're not willing to do the hospicing. Yeah. Um, And even move it along. (laughs) <laughs> never mind assisting with it let's yes. you know really engage the hospicing because it requires hospicing you know part of my own part of my reality my lived experience right? yeah. i need to hospice some of that and that can be just white folks tend to this is why coming back to that question why is it so hard to talk about race because unconsciously whether they recognize it or not that's what's going on is you're being asked to to hospice something you don't even realize you're that you need to for you to have life and know that you don't have to do it on your own we're here we provide in safe brave spaces for us to do that in and and we reverend kelly and i are continuing to do that work as well we we haven't reached the end of the road (laughs) we are we are in the trenches with you we're on the trenches so so join us thank you for listening thank you for sharing this have head over to projectsanctus.com and join us in this world of creating a world that works for all we love you we'll see you next week Thank you.